Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu, and I'm really excited about today's guest, Wayne Zell. He's, uh, of course, you can see Zell Law, and he's going to be talking about exiting your business, selling your business. He's the author of your multi-million dollar exit. So I'm really happy to bring on experts onto the show, his advice and wisdom. And with that, Wayne, welcome. Thanks for having me, Dr. Lou. It's great to uh, great to be on the podcast. Yeah. All my friends call me Chris. So I'm was... going to call you Chris. I'll be <laughs> and, your friend. Uh, um, how, tell us, you know, the audience about how you got started and, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, I'm an old guy. I've been doing this for a long time. I've, uh, I'm a CPA and a lawyer. And I've been practicing since 1980, so that's what, 43 years? And my practice is focused exclusively on entrepreneurs today, uh, helping them with business exit planning. I've done a lot of work with doctors and dentists and veterinarians and doctors of all kinds, including my brother, who I helped sell his practice to a hospital several years ago. And uh, I've got a lot of experience in doing that, but I love dealing with entrepreneurs because they, they're always thinking out of the box and they're always focused on how to do the next best thing in their business and they're growing their business and they're very energized so it gives me a lot of energy and i i love uh, sharing my my knowledge with them and and trying to help them grow and successfully exit their business that's really what my objective is um so one thing uh was interesting is to tell the um audience uh the difference between well i guess well why is it important for entrepreneurs to start planning their exit at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey yeah you know i've, I've actually represented a lot of doctors and dentists when they're first getting into practice and then a lot of you know physicians who are trying to hire these doctors into the practice and everybody's you know wondering well, what's the end game going to look like and you know you you go into practice even as a young physician and you're trying to figure out what do i what do i have what do i expect you know what's my buy-in into the practice and what's it really worth and and what's it going to what's there going to be for me at the end and with in the in the practice of medicine i think it's one of the more difficult areas to predict because of the changing models for pricing and the changing models for reimbursement. So it's what it was 30 years ago is definitely not what it is today. And so, but starting at the beginning, it's always good to begin with the exit in mind. I mean, Stephen Covey always said, you know, you always have to begin with the end in mind, whatever you're doing. So that's what goals allow you to do. You, you set goals as to how long you want to practice. I saw that you had retired at a at a very young age. And uh, that means you were very successful in exiting whatever it was that you were doing. You have to really figure out what your planned exit is. And by the way, there are unexpected events that occur. Physicians know this better than anyone. You could be disabled permanently or you could die unexpectedly. And all of these things need to be planned for in your journey along the way. And so that's why you want to start today. Start at the beginning. And if you've been in practice 15, 20, 25 years, it's not too late. 
you need to just start thinking about the exit and what the real exit looks like. What, you know, are you going to retire? Are you going to sell your practice? Are you going to transition it over to younger physicians? Think about what you want to do and then start planning for it today. Yeah. One, the other question, you know, you touched on it a little bit is, um, you know, most entrepreneurs, like they say, oh, I'm not going to sell my business, but talk about this idea of exiting your business not versus selling your business. Well, I mean, selling usually implies that you're selling it to some third party, right? And so in the, in the medical area, there's, it's either selling it to a hospital or a PMC backed by a private equity firm, something like that. And they're two very different models, by the way, because hospitals are, view the world very differently than private equity-backed uh, entities. Private equity-backed entities are looking for an annual profit of 20, 30, 40% per year annually. And uh, so they wanna, they're going to cut costs and they're going to jack up revenues, increase prices to, to accomplish that. That's a, sell, a sale model. The exit model might be you've got great young physicians working for you who can come in and basically take over the practice. The problem with that model has always been two things. One is, do they have the capital to buy you out? Because there may be a value that the business is really worth. And you get, usually get a valuation firm in, a practice management valuation firm that, that is experienced in valuing the type of practice that you're in. And they'll tell you what the practice is worth today. And the question is, can the young physicians afford to buy you out? Are they, gonna, are they going to be willing to incur debt on their own? Or you know, are you going to be willing to take back debt to finance the sale of your practice, the transition of your practice over time? And so that's one issue. And then the other is, are they capable of running the practice as capably as you ran it? when you were growing the practice and building the practice. And those are two big questions when you're selling to internal folks, to your employees, to your to your other uh, partners or your younger partners. Yeah. So very different questions. Yeah. Um, talk about, um, you know, there's not a one size fits all succession plan. Everybody, that's why the, we have people such as yourself. So what are some factors that entrepreneurs should consider when they're building their succession plan? Wow. Um, the very first thing I like to say is, what do you want out of this at the end? If you want to work and work and work and work until you can't work anymore and you're going to die at your desk like the guy in uh, the tax lawyer in, in, the, in the legal show, I can't remember, it was way back in the 1980s. You're going to die at your desk practicing? That's one thing. That's one way to do it, but that's not exit planning. So the first thing is you want to do some financial analysis. What do you have available to you today in terms of your financial resources? And what do you need at the end of the day when you plan on retiring? Are you going to retire at age 60, 65, 70? What is it that you need to live comfortably, you and your family, to live comfortably for the rest of your life? So the first thing that I always do is I always get a financial planner in to help advise the client to say, okay, if you're making three, $400,000 a year, whatever it is, million dollars a year with your surgery center. What is it that you need to take home at the end of the day after taxes so that you can live comfortably and have your family live comfortably without working? And so that's step one. And then step two is if you already have a practice or a business, what is the value of your business today? 
And what does it need to be at the end of the day to get you what you need to live comfortably for the rest of your life? So it's a gap analysis. You're do, basically saying the company needs to be worth 10 million, but it's only worth 3 million today. I need 7 million to get there. And how many years do I have to basically accrue or you know generate that wealth so that I have enough that I can retire comfortably at the end of the day, sell the company or whatever? And that is that's the second component in the analysis. And then the third component is when do you really want to get out? And you really have to put a date on it. And that date may change over time, but it's a good idea to plan for that. And once you have those three things uh, together, then we can start gathering a lot more data and figuring out you know, what your exit plan is, because everybody's exit plan is different. The other idea is this uh, management succession plan. So tell the audience about why that's important. So I, I call it a management succession plan, but you know you might call it a business continuity plan. I'm an exit planner. I'm a certified exit planner with the Business Enterprise Institute, and um, they call it a, a business continuity plan. But the management succession plan is really something that I, uh, I've been doing for the last 25 years with my entrepreneur clients, where there's one owner or two owners, maybe three. Who is going to run the business if you become disabled? So let's create a plan that out, actually outlines who's running the finances, who's running operations, who's running uh, you know, the HR side of things, whatever it is, the accounting and finance. Lay it all out. Lay out who it is, what they're making in terms of salary, what their bonus expectations are, et cetera. And then set up a governing board board of directors, board of advisors that might consist of a member of your family or two members of your family that are on that board that oversee the people that are operating the business daily to make sure that they're not doing anything that is untoward. There's a lot of examples in the book about how people have been ripped off because they didn't take the necessary precautions through a management succession plan. And then the last piece of the management succession plan is if you want to sell it in the short run, give instructions to the people who are operating it as to how they will do it and give them the time frame that it would take in order to sell it. There's a lot of examples also in the book about where we didn't have a management succession plan, but we came in in the event of a crisis and we were able to you know, garner the resources, garner the, you know, the, the people to get the people together to, to create a, an exit plan that was rel relatively short run, two years, one year, um, when somebody suffered a disabling event or died unexpectedly, that's what the management succession plan is meant to do. It's meant to come up with a short-term plan to deal with the unexpected. And then the other piece of it is link it in to your estate planning. So your, if your business can be owned by a revocable trust or if your physician practice cannot be, depending on the state where you practice, but link it into your will or your trust so that you've got a binding obligation on your trustee, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a spouse and a friend, maybe it's a friend who must adhere to the management succession plan and make sure that the management succession plan, the, the governing board and the operators are all bound together. You're thinking through some of these things together and very few people do that. I, I Unfortunately, I do both of these things and I'm a tax lawyer by training. So I I, I try to make sure that the tax nuances are also brought into it. But that's what a management succession plan is all about. It's really thinking about the short run. There's a long-term component to it as well, 
but definitely think about the unexpected events and how things are going to play out over three, six, or 12 months after that event occurs. Yeah. The other thing is, um, you know, especially in this day of uh, economic uncertainty, what, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs that are worried about disruptions by downturn, AI, disruptive technology, all of that? I love AI. I think it's one of the greatest things that uh, we could do as long as we, you know, we 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 handle it appropriately, right? Um, but there's always disruption. I mean, I've been practicing law since 1985. When I came into practicing law, I was working on private placement real estate syndications that were tax shelters. And as you may recall, back in 1986, the Reagan tax bill that was passed by both houses included a provision called the passive loss rules, which basically shut down tax shelters. And I'm thinking to myself, what do I do next? And that sort of got me in the mindset of always being adaptable. So having the ability to adapt to changes makes you able to deal with these downturns, number one. Number two, trying to look ahead into the future, reading as much as you can, and figuring out where your profession or where your business is headed and where technology is headed that may affect your business. Not just technology, but regulation, industry, everything. Petition, doing the best you can to anticipate it. If things don't turn out the way you thought they would under your business plan, you should always have a plan B. And so planning for the rough times, navigating those rough waters is part of what entrepreneurs always have to do. Some of them succeed, many of them don't. As you know, 90 out of 100 businesses fail when they start up. I've done a lot of startup work over the years. I've worked mostly with startups. And I've seen a lot of them fail. I've taken companies public that have failed. And in that in that experience, you, you realize that they're either ready to adapt and deal with the changes in the marketplace, or they shut down, learn from their failures, or learn from their events and pivot and do something to save uh, the idea that they've created and the, and the passion that they have for, for being an entrepreneur. It's really exciting to, to be an entrepreneur. You're always doing something new and creating something new. And uh, hopefully your ideas are are going to be accepted by the public and be, you know, remunerative to you that you can make some money on it, but also, you know, pursue your passion at the same time. Yeah. It's always, um, it's interesting to hear about, you know, uh, you hear stories where it's like, um, you know, entrepreneurs, they, they sold their business right at the peak before a huge downturn. And, you know, some of them uh, walk away from, you know, billion or millions, multi-millions, and then create a multi-billion dollar company, um, which is always, it's always about timing. Yeah, two, the two examples I always use are people that I, I've dealt with and, and know, uh, Dan Snyder. He built a, a, a company called Snyder Communications, sold it for a couple bill, and, uh, and then bought the Washington football team. Uh, and I'm, I'm a native Washingtonian, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with that story. His company, after he sold it, went down a year later complete, you know, in the tech bubble burst. Mm -hmm. And Mark Cuban's another example, you know, the guy who's on uh, Shark Tank, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, you know, I actually met with him when I was in house with a, uh, a technology company, I went in house for a couple of years, and uh, was the CFO and general counsel of a tech company. And we met with him to try to sell our company to his company, which was based out of Dallas, he ended up selling his company to Yahoo, again, for a couple billion dollars. And 
it was in those days when things were very frothy and very, very highly valued without revenue or profit to back it up. And, you know, the thing that that educated me was reading an article by Warren Buffett uh, that he he basically did an op-ed in uh, for the Associated Press. He, he was teaching a course at the University of Pennsylvania to a bunch of grad school students at Wharton. And they were asked to value a technology company that had page views and click-throughs, but no revenue. And he said, anybody who came back with a value, he flunked because cash is king. Unless you can generate cash flow, there is no value. Well, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, that philosophy, but you know, it was scary. And so businesses come and businesses go. When the tech bubble burst in 2000, there was a massive disruption in the economy. And a lot of people lost a lot of money. Um, it happened again in 2008 and 2009 when you know, the crisis over uh, banking and credits and mortgage, uh, the big short occurred. You know, it may happen again this year. We may experience another recession. I don't think it's going to be as bad as what we saw before because I think things are a little bit more under control. But with rising interest rates, the ability to sell your business has at least dried up for now. I mean, there's it, it's it's becoming harder to sell a business because a lot of the fuel for these business sales comes from borrowing. And if the borrowing rates are too high, that it makes it uh, uneconomical to, to sell the business at a, at a profit that it you know, needs to be generated. And so the buyers are reducing their multiples and pulling back on some of their deals. But I've got two deals closing this week at the end of this week. So people are buying businesses and they are out there you know, investing money and in, in, and business will always thrive in the United States if you really believe in our our country and our economy. So yeah, we have good times, we have bad times. Be adaptable, navigate through those rough waters as best you can, and get a good team of advisors behind you. Get a good uh, attorney, estate planning attorney. Get a good business attorney. Get a good CPA who can advise you on the tax nuances of what you're doing. Be a, a financial planner involved. Uh, have an insurance agent involved because the insurance agent is not just there to sell you products. They're help. They're there to help you minimize your risk in your business. And so all of these people are important players. And then when you're getting ready to sell your business or you're thinking about selling your business, connect with a business broker or investment banker or an M&A intermediary, somebody who can help you uh, understand what the market for your business is. For doctors, there are specialists, and I've been involved with uh, some roll-ups of veterinary practices that are nationwide and you know multi, multi-million dollar roll-ups backed by private equity. So there is money flowing into the sector, and it's constantly, constantly flowing in. And so there's a lot of opportunity there for people who want to exit successfully. Uh, well said. Uh, really interesting. Uh, I love this idea of planning and kind of the you know um, succession. The you know, before we end, I know you had uh, you, you have a book out which you can talk about. And one last thing is, some you know entrepreneurs basically they sold their billion dollar company that billion dollars. You know what do they do? What what advice do you have for them? It's like Michael Phelps. You know he like whatever twenty one gold, and then it's kind of like you know what do you do? So what do you what, do now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, the first thing is you know planning for the exit is not just. Uh, figuring out what might happen if something bad goes wrong. It's also, you know, planning for wealth transfer, uh, doing advanced estate planning and, and your basic estate planning to make sure that your estate doesn't go through probate and court and things like that. Number one, number two, after you've done your pre 
pre-transaction planning, and you've gotten your business ready for the exit. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done ahead of time from the corporate perspective, as well as from accounting, finance, marketing, sales, making sure you've got your right management team in place so that you have transferable value to the buyer. So that increases the value. Um, but then, you know, what happens after you sell? <laughs> so there's a chapter in the book, chapter six talks about, well, now that I've exited, what's next? And I, I don't think you stop planning. I think you always can plan for your life. It's personal planning, uh, using smart goals, you know, specific and so on. The goal that everybody uses in their business, you can use in your personal life. And I give an example of a guy I know who was a retired CPA, he worked for one of the big four for 38 years and retired finally. And that's a rarity. And now he's spending a third of his time on charitable endeavors, a third of his time advising young entrepreneurs on how to grow their business, and a third of his time spending time with his family. And and he's allocated his time accordingly, and so he and then he breaks down those allocations into a strategic plan. What is he going to do this week? What is he going to do today? Instead of just waking up and trying to say, okay, well maybe I'll play golf or maybe I'll watch TV, have a plan for yourself. It'll it'll energize you. You'll stay involved in whatever it is that's that you're passionate about, and you'll live a longer, happier life. I think, from a medical perspective, at least. How can people follow you, check your website out, you know, reach out to you, work with you and check out your book? Thank you so much for that. Um, the book, you can you can see my author page at Wayne Zell. W, uh, my law firm is Z-E-L-M, one word, just all smashed together. And it talks about what we do as a law firm. We, we're, we're a boutique. We do estate and business planning, but it's uh, with a tax orientation, income tax, estate tax, gift tax. And then uh, you can buy the book on Amazon. It's an Amazon bestseller. And, uh, you know, we hope to continue to sell the book. It's a great resource. There's a lot of planning in it, uh, a lot of guides. Uh, it's it's like a workbook. And then on the waynezell.com website, you can actually download some examples of management succession plans, letters of intent used in acquisitions, things like that. So it's uh, a lot of useful tools for the readers. And I hope, I hope you read it and I hope everybody gets uh, to read it and gets a lot out of it. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Wayne for coming on to the show. Um, again, always hire a professional to do this and um, check out his book as well. All the links will be in the resources and the show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Chris. Thanks and uh, have a great week. to do be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week